0: This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. The sermon for this 25th Sunday after Trinity is according to St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 20 to 30. In this text, and you're going to see this as we get closer to the end of the church year, we saw it last week and we'll see it this week and next week. There is a couple of things, uh, two parts to the text. And the first we'll notice is Christ's response to the Pharisees regarding the kingdom of God. Okay, he's going to say what he's going to show them what the definition of. They're using words and they don't necessarily know what they mean, so he's going to define that for them. And even like today. And then the second part is going to be what he says to the disciples. The people that already know him and trust him, when they say things like, well, that was a little harsh. And so he's going to have a talk with them to say, here's why it isn't harsh. Here's why it's true. So we'll get into that too. The first, the Pharisees asked when the kingdom of God would come. Now, the Pharisees believed that the kingdom would be almost a political kingdom, In other words, they were looking for a revival of the kingdom of Judah. The people who said they have been slaves to no one, remember? No one have I been a slave to, are looking for the kingdom of Judah to overthrow the Romans who were occupying them and making them slaves. Okay, irony, irony. Okay, that was my irony alert. But as Christ said to Pilate, his kingdom is not of this world right okay so he said for people to look for christ to establish this earthly kingdom it's wrong it's it's not correct he comes to establish the kingdom that is in the midst of you a much more important kingdom the one that also will be translated and we'll get into this is the one that is even within you Which is it? Is it in the midst of you or within you? Well, various English translations go either way because Greek is very explanatory. It is very picky. And so there are different ways of looking at it, which on some days, you go, well, isn't that more confusing? First year of Greek, the answer is yes. But by the time you get to it, you go, no. And I'll tell you why. So it means among you, in the midst of you, in the middle of you, Then Christ is saying this, if you want to see the kingdom, it is already here. Do not look for an obvious kingdom with armies, crowns, borders. My kingdom comes in hidden ways. It comes through baptism. It comes through the preached word. Especially Jesus would say that it comes with him. He is the king. And to be in the kingdom, you need to be with Jesus. This makes a lot of sense. The Pharisees were standing around Christ and they talked to him. So he said, the kingdom is among you. Because he was among them. He might as well have pointed to himself and said, what's got two thumbs and is the kingdom? So he wouldn't do that because he's not snarky. But he would say that the kingdom is here because I am here. He makes a lot of sense for this. The tenth leper, remember the tenth leper recognized that the kingdom of God had already been in his presence in the person of Christ. He bowed down to the king because he saw who he was. And Jesus said, Well, didn't nine other people, weren't they? They didn't see. But the Pharisees refused to see, much like those nine. Even when Christ gave miraculous signs and preached his gracious gospel, they would not recognize him as the Christ, as the anointed one, the Mashiach, is what it is where we get the word Messiah. Christ also is among you in his word, his sacraments. This is important as we gather around him in worship, We may ask, this is why worship is important, because it's the place where Christ, the King, where the kingdom promises to meet you, where we promise to be met by Jesus Christ, because it's his word we're reading, it's his gifts we're receiving, it's his house in which we gather, so it is his kingdom which is being proclaimed. So, now let me get to that other translation option. The other way of translating this phrase is not just in the midst of you, but is within you, inside you. And it can be misunderstood as people thinking, does he mean our feelings? That is the way kind of America tends to go. We talked about this in Bible study a little bit today. What I feel must be true. If I feel that I'm in the kingdom of God, it does not matter if I go to church or live a godly life or repent of my sins, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Even though the phrase can be misunderstood, the kingdom is still, in a sense, within you. The faith that receives Christ is in you. Even though faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit, He places it in your heart and in your mind. So the difference between a Pharisee and a disciple is really this. The disciple has faith that receives Christ as king. The second part of this gospel concerns the suddenness of Christ's second coming. He calls it the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And remember how he talked about the days of Noah and the days of Lot? Now he's talking to the the disciples. So it will be when Christ reveals himself, there will be eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. What does that sound like? It sounds like life will be going on as normal. Things will be happening as we would expect them to happen. Life will be pretty much as it has been for thousands of years. People will think, those silly Christians, those backwards Christians will say that Christ will return, but life has always been the same. And it will continue to be the same forever. So these unbelievers will go on in their false security that tomorrow is guaranteed the way it was today. But he will return suddenly as our bulletin cover. Uh, does a very great job of explaining, will come suddenly like the sound of thunder and like lightning. He'll light up the whole sky. Every eye will see him then. Then many people will enter into eternal destruction, for which Sodom, remember, it was the image of fire and brimstone. The horror of the destruction of the great flood was a foretaste of even a greater horror of hell. And at the same time, as St. Peter says, it is a picture of holy baptism. Evil is washed away. Newness occurs. As it was, so is it with baptism. And baptism, which corresponds to this, St. Peter says, now saves you. So we see Jesus preaching in law and gospel. All this because they will be caught unprepared, uncaring, unknowing on the day. But all of us who are prepared, who have been repented of our sins, who indeed have the Holy Spirit, who trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior, even though we are fallen and imperfect, broken sinners, we have this faith given to us by God, which has no problems whatsoever. Holy Spirit doesn't need fixing. You and I do. So the faith, when God looks at you, He doesn't go, let's see how you're doing there. And we're going to look at Him and go... (laughs) Pretty bad. He's like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is faith. I recognize that. That's from me. Oh, that's the blood of Jesus Christ covering you. That's outstanding. That's what I was looking for. And thank God we can all go, phew. See, he was looking at you and me. Me be a bad day. But don't sit back and say, I'm ready. I might as well enjoy myself while I am waiting. Trust me, that is not the way to go. I don't need worship. I don't need preaching. I don't need the sacraments. I'm ready, so I don't need anything. Which is kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about. Such a person is cutting themselves off from the kingdom, from his house, from his gifts, from all the kingdom stuff that Jesus was talking about. If you are his, then why would you abandon him? But many do, don't they? Many put their priorities before the kingdom. I I called them excuserins. Will their faith survive their self-inflicted fasting from this life, from this word? A better question is, would you want to take the risk of starving to death? I don't think so. Since you love your king, go where he promises to meet you. Go where he feeds you. Go where he wants to strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith. Make nothing more important than that. Christ also speaks these words to the disciples. But first he must suffer many things. First he must suffer many things and be rejected, not just by a couple, but by this generation. Here he warns his disciples that they should not expect lives of bliss and ease anytime soon. Christ was about to go up to Jerusalem to suffer. In time, the disciples who would have to remain living in this generation would suffer as well. We should learn that our Christian life is not one of just sitting around comfortably waiting for Christ to come. Even when Luke tells of the ascension day, when Jesus goes up, you remember what those disciples were doing? They're standing there with their mouths open, watching Jesus ascend. And the angel comes and goes, What are you doing? Don't you know that he's just going to come back the way he did? Go go on with your lives. Get out of here. Break it up. Nothing to see here now. He even tells them to go about your lives. But don't go about your lives like you were as heathens. Set your mind to endure the burdens that we see in this world that does not love Christ. In this way, we live like Christ. He did not reject the suffering placed before him. He continued to the destiny of the cross, of the resurrection. The rejection he suffered from his own people hurt immensely. The rejection he suffered from his heavenly father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? More than you can imagine, in this way, he, though, purchased your salvation. Showed your eternal destiny by rising again. We see this even as St. Paul says about baptism. If in baptism, if we die to death like his, we shall certainly be raised in a resurrection like his. Law and gospel. This beloved king may appear again at any time. He did so much for you, you cannot wait to see his face. He redeemed you, unworthy sinners, from destruction. You should be doomed as much as the people who were not in the ark, as the people who stayed behind when Lot left, who saw the waters coming and could not escape. And like Sodom, when the fire and brimstone were no better than they are, we can't look down on them. We're no different except for one thing. What's that one thing? Jesus. Sunday school answer. That is what makes you and me different from the people in Sodom. That is what makes you and me different from the people outside of the ark. Jesus. Which is good because it's objective truth. It's not true just for this section, or the guys in the back. It's true for anyone. If you have Christ, you have peace, you have hope, you have salvation. But Christ is your escape from Sodom, from the flood. Christ has rescued you from death and hell, We will welcome his second appearing with joy and gladness. And we're getting ready for Advent, which is a whole season dedicated to being excited about waiting for the return of Christ. It's not just about preparation for Christmas morning, but the preparation of the one who has come at the nativity to come again and rescue us from this veil of tears. We will welcome the second appearing, the second advent with joy and gladness because he has won for you an eternal kingdom without sin, without sickness, without death, without pain, without tears. The reason we say, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Amen. Please rise. peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds the one true faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.